Hello, and you are listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast powered by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out the BatmanUniverse.net to hear this and many other great Batman podcasts. This is Josh, and this week I am joined by... Um, this is Donovan. You don't seem sure. That was, that was very sheepish. I'm sorry. This is Donovan. I just got hit in the head by a bagel thrown by this other guy, but my name's Stella. Who threw the bagel? D- was Dustin. It our special- Dustin threw the bagel. He's a rotten person. I don't know if you people know this. But he just, he just wants he just wants a kiss. That was, that was the deal. <laughs> Dustin, you're married. <laughs> we discussed. <laughs> we got to talk about that in the bloopers. But we were talking about Dustin's marriage prospects last episode. <laughs> Poor uh, so and joining us this week is uh, the head honcho of the Batman universe. Oh, really? Is that who it is? <laughs> we didn't spoil it. Yes, it's me. I am here. I am here to bring order to this cast. <laughs> Unsuccessfully, unfortunately. Uh, the episode this week was called Harvey Dent. And uh, in it, uh, Renee Montoya, Crispus Allen, and James Gordon decide to move forward with their plan to uh, expose the Wayne murder and prosecute the Falcone crime family. Harvey has his own methods for doing it, which are a little, I would call it gung-ho, called intimidating and shaking down this guy called Lovecraft. Meanwhile, Gordon doesn't trust the witness protection program because everyone in Gotham's on the take. So he places Selina Kyle in Wayne Manor, much to Alfred's chagrin and much to Bruce's eventual delight. And Don's. And Don's. And speaking of delight, uh, Barbara Keane goes to look for some delight of her own. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. And we have a subplot about a bomber who has something to do with the Russian family. And Fish uses that as an opportunity to tie up some loose ends. While Oswald Cobblepot investigates who the mole in the Falcone organization is. And he pinpoints Liza. And that's pretty much the main points of this episode of Gotham. Uh, what was did everyone generally enjoy this episode? I'll go first. Um, I know I, I, I've I've been really enjoying the last few weeks of Gotham. I, I've really enjoyed watching the series just to kind of tune in. Whereas I started out as like, okay, where we're going? To, where are they going to take the characters now? Um, I was I kind of just sat back and enjoyed this, and just to see how the characters develop, rather than like you know find out what's the plot or you know how is Penguin going to get out of this one or this or that or the other thing. And I don't, I'm not sure if you guys will agree with me uh, in enjoying the episode. I'm not sure how this episode grabs you, but like I felt I, I had a smile on my face a lot. Much of that was due to like the, <laughs> was due to the Bruce and Selena scenes. But generally speaking, I like I liked seeing like you know. Gordon and Bullock work together without, like, you know, them whispering every five minutes, oh, don't, by the way, you know, we're dirty or we're not dirty or whatever. Um, I enjoyed seeing um, the Penguin act like a creeper because uh, the guy's a good actor. And it was, it was, I don't know if, this, if, the, if like, the storyline with the Bombers going to be memorable, but, like, or if this episode's going to be all that memorable or it's on anybody's favorite list. But I just had a fun time watching the show. 
basically. I'm, I'm not sure even if I have much to say about it, although we'll get into it. But uh, I uh, had a good time. Yeah, I I liked this one better than the, the previous episode because the other – that one took a dip for me. I, I think certainly there were positive aspects. But this one I think came back up again, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I'm not sure. Again, I just feel like – this epi- this series really benefits from having a-, a smaller number of plots in each episode. And so even though Fish, like I thought everything was going so well, very streamlined, and then Fish pops up, and luckily it's just a short moment that she popped up. But uh, but and it was connected to everything else. But but I just feel like when there are you know shorter or not shorter but fewer plots and they're just nicely connected, I, I think everything. Uh, works out better and it makes for a better viewing experience and uh, it's just more cohesive and I think that we were back to this just like we were with the the big penguin penguins umbrella episode yeah so here's the thing oh no (laughs) I am I've been watching Gotham uh, the last couple of weeks and ever since the episode where it was revealed that Penguin was actually working behind the scenes for Falcone um, ever since that episode it just seems like it's been going downhill it's like you know they did the big reveal it felt like that reveal should have been in the mid-season finale not so much in just a random episode a couple episodes before the mid-season finale and it honestly this episode was kind of kind of a letdown in a lot of different ways because um, I, I I know we're going to talk about a lot of these different things individually, but the just the idea of the episode being called Harvey Dent, Harvey Dent making his appearance, and there being so many different things that were happening in the episode, I overall wasn't entirely pleased with it. I would probably give it an average rating, like a middle of the range rather than yes or no. Um, but I, I, I want this show to succeed. And, you know, I know I haven't been on the show before to talk about this, but I was looking forward to what they were doing with this show. But the problem is that I feel like they could go whatever direction they want, but they choose to just keep using directions that are in some way already established just by, but they choose to change them. And it's, getting more annoying the more characters they continue to introduce. Is that your kind of overall feel for the show in general? Uh, like it, 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 the way it chooses to establish things isn't your preferred way that they would do it? It's not the it's, – it's not like I'm sitting here saying, oh, OK, Bruce Wayne is – you know, he's, he's basically a kid still and Harvey Dent's an adult. That can't be. That's blasphemy. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's OK to change some things, but it just feels like – they they basically have this enormous license to do whatever they want because this is pretty much taking place in a time frame that has rarely been you know you know talked about or referenced or you know revealed so they could do a whole lot of things but they just choose to just keep doing everything that ties to something that you know we already know for example Harvey Dent, you know, do we need to know that Harvey Dent was working with Gordon, you know, 15 years before Batman even came onto the scene? Probably not. But they just keep choosing to include all of these characters 
just because they need to, because they feel the necessity to include them because they want to, you know, have people tune in to see which character is going to pop up this week. I, I have to ask, did you see that one uh, parody that yes. uh, I forget what yeah, Gotham, okay. was, Gotham Begins? That's why I had the entire time. Gotham Begins Origins before Gotham <laughs> with like Mr. Freeze and stuff. Um, the best I, one was when they were like, oh, look, uh, the, uh, they just had a boy. His name is Jim Gordon. I think we should have a boy. <laughs> but what if we get gunned down in an alley by a murderer and the bats in the cave scare him? Uh, one thing that I heavily agree with Dustin on is the sometimes it feels like the characters are unfocused. And it, we're on episode – what was this? Episode 9? Yeah. Okay, episode 9. Trying to start, Try and describe the character of Christmas Allen after nine episodes. And see if you can. Uh, yeah, he's a guy who works in the MCU who is basically only appears when they need a character on screen. Uh, he has <laughs> big eyeballs. He's the MCU guy that's not having sex with Barbara Keen. This episode. Oops. Well, yeah, I, well didn't he have something, about, something to do with like the, 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 the hospital that Jim woke up in when he was shot? Didn't the person say, oh, Chris Allen uses this? Okay, so we can add to the list. He knows doctors. Who aren't That's, Leslie Thompson? I, I, I take and agree with your point. Um, so my thoughts on this episode, my general was, I actually liked this uh, more than last week. What was last week's one called again? The mask. I liked this more than the mask because uh, I felt like the mask was more business as usual, and I almost wish that we would have skipped last week and gone straight to you know what we were doing here. But I, I was wondering, you know, what did we really need from last week's episode? That kind of carried over, and I guess you needed that emotional and character beat of Jim having to, you know, forgive the other cops for not helping him against Zaz. But otherwise, you know, it, it was business as usual last week. So this, I, I was very, very interested, you know, and there was like scenes where I had to like pay close attention to what was going on or rewound a few times. And we'll get into more, but you know, the Bruce and Selena scenes uh, worked out well because they had good chemistry. And if the chemistry between these two actors didn't work, then this episode wouldn't have worked. So getting into a point-by-point, point, question-by-question, my first thing I want to throw out to the group is, did it make sense to put Selena in Wayne Manor? Probably not. <laughs> um, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like going back to Dick Grayson, because like one of the reasons it's been said that he was adopted by Bruce Wayne is, is to be used as a safe house, because he was a witness. Um and I think that, like, it makes sense to say, well, maybe, I guess we'll preview for next episode, people would want to kill Selena Kyle. But um, I think Gordon might as well just, well, maybe, I'm trying to think of better places to put her. Maybe he would take her to her, I guess he initially tried to take her to uh, Barbara's penthouse, and she went there. So Take the jewel thief to, you know, an expensive penthouse. Or um, Bullock's Hovel. So, I mean, maybe there are better ideas, but, like, I, I didn't think it was, like, an outrageously stupid idea, and it, it delivered interest, entertaining scenes. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, like, you know, uh, crossing my arms and saying, like, you know, uh, convince me why that was a great idea necessarily. I, it was strange, obviously. I was trying to figure out where he was going to send uh, him. Well, except that I was spoiled because of the... the promo but when he brought her to his or his girlfriend's flat i thought hmm this could be an interesting dynamic if barbara keen were actually there 
But, you know, I, I think it works on a couple levels. Number one, because she's a kid. And I think, you know, Jim Gordon recognizes that uh, Bruce is also a kid. And so perhaps it was not only a safe place, but there was a lot of space. And perhaps uh, it would just be a, a good place for her. I think also it was good to put her in an environment where she is affected by uh, the person that she has witnessed a crime about. So because, which I'm actually very concerned actually that she's lying right now and she did see him, but I feel like she doesn't know all the details. I am getting nervous about that. But I feel like just being in that situation, I I think uh, will help her maybe realize details or gain sympathy for him if she is in fact lying and try to figure out what she needs to do. But but in the end, I think those were some of the strongest scenes, getting to know them. Now, in the comics, I don't remember Bruce ever thinking back to the time that he and Selena knew each other as kids. <laughs> <laughs> but this is when I have to just say, Stella, we're going to have to We're helping him with his training. Yeah, I just have to separate. Remember, I, I promised myself I was going to try to separate. But but, but I just think that they worked really well together. They had good chemistry together. They have, they're both damaged in a certain way. And I think some of the scenes were pretty tragic, especially when Selena was telling almost a Joker-esque story about her mother and, and that she's going to come back for her, but she's really not. In the end, no, it's a little weird. Why aren't you putting her somewhere else in protective custody? But Jim Gordon doesn't, I mean, he understands the system is corrupt. So he's got to go to a place that he knows there's no corruption. And I think perhaps Wayne Manor really and, you know, Alfred and everything is the only He didn't see the episode where Alfred took Bruce to Tommy Elliott's house and let him beat the tar out of Tommy Elliott. I was there. I saw it. (laughs) Did that traumatize you? Oh, no. A boy getting punched in the face by a watch. Is that something you want to forget? Well, no, I mean, like, she was saying, you know, well, it's not a corrupt place. And I was like, yeah, well, Jim doesn't know that, like, apparently the only, like, parent in that household, you know, takes kids to other kids' houses and lets them beat them up. <laughs> Alfred, 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 don't take <laughs> no mess in this show. Bruce is jumping off of roofs and burning his hand. Shouldn't you take him to therapy? No, no, no. I tried. I thought about trying. He wouldn't like that. <laughs> his parents said no. Uh, <laughs> Dustin, what do you think about uh, the – plot point of selena going to the wayne manor okay so her going to wayne manor doesn't make a lot of sense to me it's basically oh well gordon basically puts it as well i can't watch you myself because i have to do my job can't have my girlfriend watch you because she's ran away yet again (laughs) can't stay here in my apartment because i know you're gonna run away again so I'm just going to stick you with somebody where I still don't know that you're not going to run away or not, but I'm going to put you over here with this kid. And, you know, they did. Ex- he did explain it where he said to Alfred, the reason why, you know, if, if we do catch the person who killed the, you know, uh, Bruce's parents, we're going to need her to testify. She's going to have to be a witness. She's going to have to go on the witness stand. And if she cares about the victim, which would be Bruce, she has more reason to actually, you know, testify. And that made sense. But at the same time, sticking them in the same house doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, Gordon could just lock her up. I mean, they did catch her robbing an, a store or apartment or whatever the heck it was. She was stealing a bunch of junk out of, uh, you know, coming out of the, the sewer grate the last episode with the fur coats and 
I don't know. I don't even know why she would steal fur. What, what's the point of stealing fur coats? Who, she's an activist. Who wears, who what wears if they them were anymore? real fur and she's starting off her activism? Because she, I mean, as Selena Kyle as Catwoman used to always like destroy people who who did this sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, but see, her, her exact <laughs> words were, "Well, girls got to shop." You know, that was her her that words. Was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, don't take the thirteen-year-old thief seriously. Why would she bother taking them out of there? Why wouldn't she just like destroy the furs and then leave if that was what she was doing? It's not the point. Anyway, my <laughs> what I'm trying. To- I, I love how that like ten-second scene from last episode. Anyway, my, my thing is like. I agree. The chemistry between Bruce and Selena, like the the actors, David and hot. Cameron, I mean, they did a really great job. I mean, there's no denying that. Um, but I, it, it does feel forced just to have those two in the same place at the same time. It would have made more sense if they like had her, at, you know, somehow Gordon had her enrolled in school or something, and it was like Bruce who, uh, you know was footing the bill for her to go to the same school he was or something like that, where they just come in contact with each other at school. She tends to find out maybe at a later episode that, Hey, guess what? This kid's paying for my tuition, something, something like that, where it's not as, as uh, blatant as I'm locking you in the house with this guy who you watched his parents get murdered. You, you brought up the school thing. I, I, I gotta have a side tangent real quickly is he not in school anymore? Because he says, like, oh, you know, I'm doing home education or something like well, this. She, she says directly, like, you know, why aren't you in school? And he says, I'm taking, like, you know, specific curriculum so I can focus on what I'm interested in. And He's developing his own curriculum. Right. right. And I, I'm wondering if this is either he's pulled out of school as a result of the last episode or this is another case like, you know, we talked about a few episodes ago where – both episodes were being written at the same time and the writers weren't communicating like, you know, the episode after Oswald Cobblepot becomes a restaurant manager. They're still calling him dishwasher ten times in the episode. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, honestly, no, I'm no, not going to forgive that. That was no, a stupid the thing, is, thing a lot that of, they did. If you look at the, this episode and last episode, other than <laughs> Selena being in custody, there's not a whole lot of you know, crossover between the two episodes. There's no direct link other than Selena being in custody and Barbara's notes, notes, which is all takes place within the first five minutes of the episode. Nothing else shows that this actually takes place after the last episode. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge problem because you have characters like, yeah, it is because you have, what was the whole point of, uh, you know, they, if Liza was stealing that, that book in the last episode, for fish so that fish could then go find out where the money was being held and it was being held in this armory that was needed to be taken out in this episode they never actually connected that to say this is why i need the book i need it so i can figure out exactly where he's keeping his money so that i can you know steal his money or destroy it they never actually said that so it does the book i mean are you supposed to assume that's the connection you know, Liza was supposed to do this at the end of the episode. She she basically gives her the piece of paper. This episode, she's not dealing with Falcone or Fish. She's just in her apartment. And I don't know. I don't. You know. sound so upset. Ah, <laughs> uh, miss this guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, so when when he said, "I'm going to put you in Wayne Manor," I yelled out a big what. That does kind of like smack of a a premise for a sitcom. Well, 
it got the character where she needed to be for the episode. But like Dustin and Stella have said, could there have been a better explanation to get her there? Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah, you know, and, but- and I think it's it's also shocking just because she's been spying on Bruce. And so that was my knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, my goodness. And I almost wanted more of a reaction out of the actress because she's been there two times. One time was just on the wall. Second time she was actually within the In manor. The and study. Yeah, and I almost feel like – she should have had some sort of wide-eyed glance, like um, this. This could be kind of awkward. So I actually thought it was just ironic that that she is being brought uh, of her own free will and being invited to a certain extent to a place that she has been checking out and sneaking around. So I, I think that that is that's a that, interesting yeah. thing. Well, it would have been funny if when they were in the study, she's like, "Oh, you took down your little conspiracy chart. How do you know I have a conspiracy chart in here?" Dar. Oh, it was know. right next to the thing that I stole. How'd you um, know? <laughs> um, I gotta go. <laughs> but uh, I don't. I don't, Gordon, I don't. Gordon. Gordon explained it as best as he could why he put her there. I wish that he would have discussed it with Alfred first because I think it was weird that he just expected them to go along with it and didn't like try and talk them into. He just showed up and like you know dropped her off like an amazon.com parcel or something like you know here you go alfred you don't mind taking care of another kid do you by the way she has a history of stealing lock up all the fine <laughs> china <laughs> yeah I, I think gordon gordon i mean i know that he's under the gun and he's some pressure all that kind of stuff but he really is kind of right off you know here's this convicted felon in in like you know the richest place in the in the city go nuts and <laughs> he takes her to the two swankiest places in the series that's true. Well, not, not counting uh, apparently Montoya's apartment, but um, <laughs> that's. <laughs> I, I don't see this on 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 your list of bullet points, so I don't I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But not, since we're on it, do we want to talk about the scenes between Bruce and Slinger, or do you want to save that for after the show? Or, or at the end of the um, show? Th- th- this is kind of in that orbit, so I you know I think that it's that it's fair game to talk about them here and. Like I said, I thought that they had good chemistry, and I liked the part where, you know, she had to say to him, look, I saw the whole thing. There was nothing more that you could do. Um, I thought that those scenes work, and like I said, if those scenes didn't work, if the chemistry didn't work. I always thought it was because like, ever since the beginning of the series, we've seen her kind of like, like glare at Bruce whenever she could, as though she's a Scott Pilgrim character. Glare? So I'm not- like, like she's always like, kind of like, like looking at him. Like she was in the first episode. She's like, kind of looking after – I remember her kind of like, like – following the Waynes on, on rooftops and then seeing them get killed. And then when she broke into his house for some reason, like, she kind of like, stared at him when he was sleeping, like, you know, how healthy people do. So, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I don't think this episode really follow up on any of that, but, like, it's more of this relationship that the show is building between these two characters who have never met, obviously, clearly, in any iteration that I've known about and at this age. I mean, um, uh, the Batman-Catwoman relationship, has been primarily built upon like a mutual physical attraction that blossoms into love later on, and so like it's interesting for for to me to see this kind of develop in a different way. Like you know they they've known each other since children, going by this this series, or they will have. So it's just interesting to kind of get to know each other, and I really really like the scenes. Is it was this uh, episode made me kind of want a more ongoing press. It kind of reminded me of that uh that online comic strip. Uh, or a Batman and his sons were like oh Batman and sons yeah yeah because like 
it's basically Alfred taking care of these two kids, and you have, like, you know, Bruce Wayne, dark and determined, and then you have, like, you know, kind of, like, Flighty and Kleptomaniac, Selena Kyle, and they bounce off each other really, really well. I mean, I was laughing a lot. And they bounce, like, objects off of each other really well. Well, I just, I just like, like he, you know, he's in deep, like, you know, uh, David Blaine meditation, trying to see how long he can hold his breath, and she says, you know, you were the weirdest kid I've ever met. And then um, she says, what are you going to do? Try to train in case you get mugged and someone throws a diving board at you? Yes. And her eyes bug out like, what? I, I, I really love that bit. Like, those kind of, like, interactions between, like, the uh, the writing and the acting. Um, it, was, it was really fun. I mean, th- this show doesn't really – this show's really not, not all that fun sometimes because there's not enough uh, uh, scenes of brevity. And, you know, characters not being serious or scared or, or angry. So, and because these two are kids, it made a lot more sense than just, like, you know, goofy humor. So I, I thought it was really natural and really enjoyable. Of course, like, there's, like, the weird, the very strange, um, but all, all the more enjoyable, like, you know, oh, have you ever kissed a girl? What? Oh, my God. And Alfred getting, like, so petty. Like, oh, you obviously have a crush on her. Like- he, just, he just teasing them. <laughs> oh, you fancy her, don't you, Mike? <laughs> I mean, he's, like, angry about it, though. I don't think he's angry about it. I just think that, like you know, he says, don't don't, don't, don't you no know, learn to become a burglar. So uh, I, I, I thought that like like that was the highlight of the episode, and I would love to see like if this series were like half of that. I really would. It'd be more interesting than like you know, Fish Mooney's Criminal Enterprise. To be honest, yeah, I, th- I think they were some of the best scenes, uh, which which is something I think I've already said, but. Um, you know, I feel like we were waiting for this interaction to finally happen, and I was not disappointed, and, and I think it was super awkward in the beginning, which, as it should be, because of these two people meet for the first time, and, and I love how enamored Bruce is with her and, and asking questions, and and whenever he says something, all Selena goes is, Why? <laughs> <laughs> so she just wants to know. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's like they're on two different wavelengths. It's it's so hard to communicate between the two so of cute. them. It is so cute. Yeah, but then then I think they finally are able to reach some sort of understanding just because of the fact that she may not be an orphan in the sense that she may have some street family, but, but I think they very much are on their own to a certain extent. But I like how... He's educating her to a certain extent, and she's really teaching him about the ways of Gotham and that kid. If you go out on the street, you're not going to survive, and just how naive he is. So I think if he's getting fighting lessons and doing investigative skills and things like that, then he's very much getting some street lessons uh, from Selena, which is a place that I don't think you could ever expect getting it from. And, and I love the food fight at the end because – and I'm so glad that Alfred walked in because that was exactly what was needed. And I just thought it was so well done. So I definitely ship them, which is a better shipper <laughs> than Josh's ridiculous – um, Jim Gordon. The characters who were married Sarah in the comics? Essen. Yeah, you know that what, is ridiculous. Well, so we're Batman Catwoman. So there you go. <laughs> yes. One, one, one thing I want to mention before we go on, uh, or a couple things real quick. One, I like the fact that, like, they show that even though Bruce is, like, you know, traumatized and he's driven, he's still a rich kid. Like, he's, it, it, him being the age he is, he can't be Batman automatically, which I like that they're smart to do that. So he's still, like, kind of awkward and really privileged, and he just doesn't truly understand. Like, the nature of, like, you know, criminality in Gotham. And she's kind of, like, leaning on him, like Stella said. I like the fact that, like, you know, he's not the Dark Knight in, in you know, mentality. He's he's trying to figure out what to do, but he still, at heart, is a scared rich kid. And I like that. And secondly, I like I thought it was interesting that she did the whole, um, oh, my mom's a secret agent, but she's really, like, you know, a movie star or whatever, whatever she said. Because it was an interesting, like, it was a, 
it was a defense mechanism that, that I've, I'm not 100% sure of this, but it seems like Bruce kind of caught on that she was lying about that. I thought that was kind of interesting for the characters kind of like, you know, uh, for the characters to put, put, uh, kind of express themselves that way. It's interesting because there's like a few different Bruce's that we've seen in the show. There's the one from uh, the Viper episode who's able to like walk into that, you know, Wayne Enterprise like function and like, you know, talk to these executives, you know, like he's already an adult and tell them what's up, you know. But then we have kind of like he can take control in a business situation like that. But then we have last episode when he's talking to Tommy Elliott, he's like, you're being mean and I don't understand why. And like – um Again, it's just – and he's kind of more like that with Selena in this episode, a little more reserved and a little more kid-like and not as much of like you know the controlling guy you know barking orders. Well, I think that makes sense because like he approaches people in what, what he perceives to be like you know a logical, to quote Spock-like kind of manner. And adults will tend to do, like you know be more factual whereas kids don't really care. Kids have no real sense mm-hmm. of, of – uh, boundaries or limits so I thought, I thought that like he was being consistent and like you know it depends on the audience he's engaging i have the same concern that stella has which is is she lying because when would she have seen that guy's face uh not joe chill or joe chill's face um when mm-hmm. is she just saying that to like bargain her way you know out of juvie or you know, did is there somehow like some moment in time where she saw the guy unmasked? Like, I think she is lying because I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm agree with you. And like, uh, it's it's it'll be interesting when that when that kind of gets revealed. And I guess Bruce might be mad at her. Yeah, and I don't think she's doing it vindictively. Like, I think there is something about her needing uh, something, um, and and I think it's something emotional that she's dealing with. But I am very fearful that. She she is lying right now because I was just looking at this nondescript chubby face on the paper. It's like, Mario Pepper. Like, That's too, yeah. yeah. We'll see. It, she's the scientist from uh, Walking Dead. Oh she's gosh, lying. she's lying as long as she can. She's yeah. gonna get. I'll so next question: Was the bomber p- plot superfluous? No. Because uh, this show clearly needs some sort of like it, – it needs something to distract Ben McKenzie and Donald Logue. And like, you know, it wasn't, you know, the most memorable thing. I thought for what it was, it was kind of interesting because I, I liked how the guy was a mustache twirling, look into my kaleidoscope. Actually, I'm going I'm to stab you kind of dude. <laughs> you bring that one up a lot. Because that was that was cockamamie. It was crazy. But like um, I, I really liked how – they, uh, they bro- the brother said, like, look, you know, yeah, he, he uh, blew himself up, but he didn't mean to kill anybody. And he even admitted guilty for his crimes. He's, <laughs> that he's brother was the biggest enabler late, like ever. He's like, yeah, my brother's not a bad guy. Yeah, he killed a bunch of people. Yeah, he set some bombs. But he was kind of sorry afterwards. <laughs> and, and, and he volunteered to go to jail. Why are you guys so mad at him? I don't get it. No, it was, <laughs> that's not an exaggeration at all. But I liked. I mean, like, um, it. I thought it was being very honest with the idea that like not every single bad guy in this. I mean, because I think that like most of the villains have been fairly one dimensional, and I think that this guy is you know kind of different. And I, I think I like the I like the fact that um, <laughs> I think most people who've listened to me on podcasts know my political leanings, hardcore conservative. But I like the fact that like this guy wasn't like they said he's he's mentally ill. And he doesn't belong in Blackgate. He, you know, he's, he needs to be treated for his mental illness, and yeah, he's 
maybe he may be, he might be uh, homicidal or criminally insane, but it's not out of vindict out of you know any vindictive aggression towards the city. He he just needs therapy, and I like the fact that he addressed it like you know he doesn't belong in Gotham at the end of the, at the end of the show, and that's how kind of messed up Gotham is. So I thought that like, you know for what the plot was, it was actually fairly. Uh, I don't want to say nuanced, but it added more than what we've been given lately. No. I mean, it depends on what what you consider the main plot of the story. Right. And I, I think because all of these it, – it's not like Flash or Arrow where there is one main storyline and there may be little threads going off it. We have at least two or three things going on at once, which is why I say when when there is less, there is definitely more. And so – I think that this very much was tied in with Fish. Uh, I think the main plots was, in fact, the bomber and the Bruce Wayne uh, basically continuing that plot of who killed Thomas and Martha. Those are the two big plots. And then from then, you've got your little dangling threads. And because this was still connected to Fish and Fish is connected to Penguin and Penguin is connected to Falcon, everything relates. So I don't think it was superfluous. And it also really, I, I think it's a huge moment that um, Jim accuses the mayor of just being negligent and having these people that are mentally... He tried to arrest the mayor two episodes ago. I Doesn't that prove what I'm saying? But you're like, it's a big moment that he finally accuses the mayor. No, no, no. You didn't let me finish my... Excuse me. Do not interrupt me when I'm speaking. I said it's a big moment when he when he <laughs> accuses the mayor of being negligent for letting the criminally the mentally unstable being in Blackgate. And that pushes that's a catalyst for create pushing them to Arkham Asylum. That's the big moment, sir, if you'll let me finish my thought. I, I, okay. I can finally see the finger being waved. <laughs> One? Talk about four. <laughs> <laughs> Uh uh-uh, uh, no girlfriend. My toes. Is this is this plotline superfluous? No. Um, I would say that honestly, without it, there'd be a. Oh man, I can't even comprehend what would happen if we didn't have a crime of the week in every single episode. <laughs> Just because we didn't have one in Penguin's Umbrella. LA. Well, you know, corruption. Oh well, no, there kind of was because it was basically the crime of the week was Gordon getting away from getting killed. That was essentially the crime of the week was him saving his own rear end and Harvey Bullock stepping up and, uh, you know, deciding to team with him. But that's you're right. Not before messing up Barbara Kane's bed, though. You're you're talking about a case, right? Yeah, I guess if you're talking about specifically a case, then, yeah, okay, fine. Um, But at the same time. Penguin's Umbrella was probably the best episode that they've had of the series. And yes, it didn't have, you know, a specific case or a random person they were trying to find or apprehend or whatever throughout the episode. But I think the problem is that this one, I think, was fine because it it introduced the idea of, you know, there are these villains or not villains. I keep thinking in terms of current, you know, Batman world, not prequel Batman world. Um, but there's all these criminals who they do have mental issues and they don't necessarily belong inside of Blackgate. Um, and I think it was important for them to do, to mention that because that was part of the underlying problem with Gotham originally was the fact that they had a bunch of crazy people. I mean, in, in the actual world of, you know, how Arkham comes to be is because there was that guy, Mad Dog, who basically was treated as if he was a normal person but he wasn't and they 
took him over to Arkham and Amadeus Arkham started treating this guy. You know, he ended up being super crazy and killed people. But uh, the point is that, you know, that, that, you know, it's interesting to show that, especially since the, the last time we saw Arkham, it was basically like, oh, well, by the way, we're going to split this up and Roni's going to get part of it part of the deal and Falcone's going to get part of the deal. The ancient Indian burial ground. Yeah. Like they're going to deal with like, <laughs> it made no sense. Like what they were, the direction they were going with what Gotham was. They're like, Oh, well we're going to, we're going to re you know, we're going to completely, uh, you know, renovate this and we're going to turn it into this state of the art facility. And the best part about that was when the mayor was making his announcement in this episode about the newly renovated Arkham, Wow, they must work ridiculously quick to renovate that place, number one. And from the outside, it looked exactly the same. Not renovated at all. And they were marching the people into Arkham without... And it just seemed like, okay, they're basically marching them into a building that has had nothing happen to it. They've just decided we were going to put all these crazy people in one building. Were any of those people like uh, like Balloon Man or, you know, or something? Uh I, I didn't recognize everyone that, dies though at the end though. Yeah. Who, yeah, no, no, Balloon dead. Man. Balloon I think Man they were, was on a stretcher. They were all nondescript, and I think that was just a way to uh, separate them from um, our our bomber when you saw him. So your focus was on him. Um, well, judging by the fact that I had this question in here and the way I phrased it, I don't think that my uh, thoughts are a surprise to anyone. I thought that this whole thing was very superfluous and. Yeah, you know, we needed the catalyst for Arkham, but we could have had a different crime of the week to that. Maybe a crime of the week that tied more into, you know, the other plots going on in some way. I don't know, but of all the crimes of the weeks that we've had, like, you know, the kaleidoscope guy, balloon man, spirit of the goat and everything, this was the most boring one for me. And, like, these were the scenes that I was constantly, like, mentally checking out of and... You know, I guess this had something to do with, you know, the rest of Nikolai's empire and, you know, fish tying up those loose ends now that Nikolai's dead. But I, I, I honestly didn't care. And, you know, even with the crimes of the weeks that I don't care about as much, like sometimes they're visually interesting, you know, and kind of disturbing for a TV show like the, you know, Balloon Man or this Fight Club thing or Spirit of the Goat. This was okay, he's making bombs against his will. I, it, did, it didn't it did pull me in, I gotta say. I think, I'll answer um, real quick, that like, uh, I don't necessarily, well, I don't, I don't share the same feelings that you do, but I'm not like, you know, gonna disagree with that opinion. But I think that like the, sh- I don't know, for me the story, in terms of what I, what I was enjoying, what I was getting into, I felt that like, they weren't pushing it to be like, you know, this revolutionary uh, story. And I don't, I'm saying that you, that you were saying they were, but like, um, I think it's just just the nature of the beast. You really have to necess- This show really necessitates Gordon and Bullock dealing with something, and some plots just work better than others. Um, so, while it may be kind of boring, and like you know, while it may be boring, I would not really put up an argument and say that it was superfluous or pointless just because they got to be running around uh, making the time go by. But see, here's my th- my thing is this. Okay, the reason why I like this guy compared to the other characters that they've had is part of the crime of the week type thing is because he was just a normal guy. He was, he was kidnapped by Russian gangsters forced to create bombs because that's what he does. And that's it. 
It wasn't he was trying to gas a, a room full of board members. He wasn't trying to, you know, handcuff people and send them up by a balloon. <laughs> no, he wasn't an evil therapist that hypnotizes people. Yeah, it wasn't like it was just a normal guy who made bombs. That's it. And, you know, f- you know, he was linked to the Russian gangsters if they were trying to wrap up the Nikolai stuff, whatever. That really didn't make any difference to me. It was that he was just a normal guy. Yeah, they pointed out that he had some mental issues and that that needed to be worked on. And that, you know, was the catalyst for Arkham. But he was just a normal guy. He wasn't doing anything insanely crazy like hooking guys up to balloons or gas. You really didn't entirely. like Balloon Man, did you? Well, no, it's just it, it's just like when you look at all of the people like Spirit of the Goat and uh, – yeah, OK, fine. They were hypnotized. It wasn't but like, it, yeah, it wasn't – they weren't – he wasn't eccentric at all. It wasn't you know completely outside the box, things you would immediately tie to. These are typical people you would find in Gotham City that Batman would come up against because the biggest problem is that there has to just be normal people that have to be you know caught. It's not just – Every single person they come in contact with is some crazy person. That's why Penguin's Umbrella was so interesting was because it was dealing with, you know, the, the crime stuff, you know, the, the, yeah. the stuff happening with the crime family because it was just normal stuff that would deal with gangsters, not some crazy eccentric, you know, guy who's doing things that no, most people would never even contemplate. I don't know how many people would ever think to themselves the best way to get rid of somebody is to hook them up to a balloon <laughs> there's balloon man again <laughs> I, I i agree with, i agree with dustin because uh, i think that like it really stretches our suspension of disbelief if every single time you know they come across like you know a batman-ish supervillain, and then it's like well ever since the wayne's you know died everyone went crazy that's stupid and I think I think it's better if they illustrate that slowly with the with the mafia organization, and not just like you know these one-off villains who are assassins coincidentally, and do something that's that's really kind of dumb. I mean, the, the balloon guy was it was kind of fun, but it was also kind of dumb. So I agree with Dustin that like it's better if the plots for better uh, you know for good or ill in terms of how they actually uh, present themselves. But like as long as they're not consistently cartoonishly outrageous, then the, the show gains more credibility that way. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing because the problem is when you're dealing with – because they are, they're overflowing every single episode with so many characters and so many ongoing stories. The biggest thing is there's no reason to have a villain that's so out there. Why do you need to have it? You're, you know by the end of the episode the villain's either going to be dead or he's going to go to jail, most likely dead because almost every one of these villains has, has been killed. All but the like, time. Yeah, but I mean like the reality of it is – what is the reason to have these crazy eccentric things if you're if they're not even part of the main plot that's moving forward? You know, when I look at it like this, okay, I com- I look at this show and I compare it to Arrow that's been established. You know, it's on its third season this year. I really have enjoyed Arrow. First season was a little rocky. Second season was amazing. This season is even better than this in the last season. But Arrow has has learned from its mistakes. Flash. Because it has the same producers and some of the same writers as Arrow, it's also learned from the mistakes that Arrow made initially when it first came out. And it's improved. And that shows, honestly, I, in my opinion, the best superhero show on TV right now. Um, but the thing is, when it comes to Gotham, it's like when you look at Flash, they do have basically every episode of the, the series has had a character who is the criminal of the week or the villain of the week for, for, the, the, for the episode. And 
it's it's okay. It works because the villain is teaching some one of the characters something about either themselves or you know right. they're, they're learning something relating to the ongoing story. It's the same thing that happens in Arrow. Yeah, they'll have these random missions, but it's still advancing the entire story. These, Gotham, on the other hand, takes these villains and has the, them in the episode, and it's not really furthering anything. It's just a reason to include other characters. Balloon Man, the, the reason why they had Balloon Man was because it was incorporating Selena Kyle into the main story of the episode instead of just having her perched on a building, f- you know, for the first time. So the thing was, there's it feels like there's not a, a reason to be doing it. They should just be doing normal crime and leaving the eccentric stuff until later. There's nothing to build up to. At this point, it's we already have eccentric villains. Now they're just going to start wearing costumes when Batman rolls around. Stella, what do you think about that? Because I think you watch uh, Arrow and Flash, and so you have a, you have a better point of view to uh, contribute in terms of like. Do you think that like what Dustin's saying in terms of Gotham compared to those other shows is true? Just I don't know. I, I <laughs> just like the freak of the week kind of thing that you don't think it should happen. No, based no the the idea that <laughs> he's arguing for it. <laughs> no, I'm saying that with Flash and Arrow, they still have like a freak of the week or mm-hmm. a mission of the week, but it's it's there's more reason for why it's happening. It's still progressing the main story. It's not just this thing that's happening on the side that just is a reason to include certain characters. Well, what's the reason for this? What what are you saying is the reason on the side for Gotham? There is none. That's my point. I feel like there is, though. Is it not? Oh, and we did we did we not establish this previously? The fact that with Martha and Thomas gone, everyone's coming out in order to. It's just like a, a very strange thing where there's this power vacuum, and people are fighting for control of the city. Of course, you have the big wigs, which are you know the Dons fighting for it. But I think because there is no, there's no like people there to fight for for what? i don't know on, on behalf of the city then we have these people so how is that not a, a good reason to have these people uh come out and 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 occur well one thing i could say that, that i might end up agreeing with dustin is that like uh while and this 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 might end up me being like you know a comic purist but like the idea of gotham getting worse and worse after the parent after the wayne's death has kind of been like you know a theme in the past 20 or so years of Batman comics, but, like, the idea of the crazy people, like, the super villainous people, that, like, was sort of, like, come on with... Like, they were sort of introducing Gotham with Batman's introduction, and I kind of... I think what Dustin's saying is that, like, you know, if you do both, then there's no reason to introduce Batman if you're going to have Jim Gordon defeat them all at the end of the episode. It kind of, like, you know, it's, it's building a house with, you know, uh, incomplete tools and unsteady... Uh, Cement or whatever—it's a weird analogy. So I, I kind of see what you're going, where, where you're going, and I think. Yeah, I mean, it, the basic problem I'm having is, what's the, you know, Gotham continues to get worse, but we're not, <laughs> we're not seeing Gotham get worse. We're not seeing this need for somebody to be the ultimate protector of Gotham. Yeah, the police are corrupt, but we're slowly seeing Harvey Bullock go from the guy who's appearing to be corrupt to he's not so corrupt. Uh, we see the you know the police department in the last episode uh, deciding that they will stand up for a fellow police officer and they'll stand behind Gordon because they bailed on him the episode before that. You know we're seeing 
the villains being taken down at the end of the episode or be killed at the end of the episode. We're seeing, you know, now Arkham Asylum is being opened and all of the criminally insane are going to be receiving good treatment at Arkham Asylum. Like, how is this actually progressing? What the pro- the biggest problem is? It's it's looking at from what they started with with the first episode and thinking how do they get to what we all know will happen when Batman you know reveals you know emerges from the shadows and is Batman in the future? Not necessarily on this TV show, but in the future when he becomes Batman. How do we get from point A to point B? And the problem is that I feel like. The the Bruce stuff is is, you know, it's just there. Like, let's randomly show him doing something that is some sort of skill that you would have to see Batman have or learn. Eventually, he will run out of skills. You know, you. Uh, I disagree with that. I mean, they're not they're not showing him like you know memorizing fingerprints or anything. They no, that's true. But they could get end up getting to that. They're getting to the. I mean, like last episode, it was Edward Nigma will teach learn, him. He needs to learn how to fight. Last episode, this episode, it's uh, he's you know they show him uh, holding his breath underwater, boxing with Alfred, and you know getting words of wisdom from the you know the street cat. <laughs> yeah, couldn't figure out any other way to put that. Wisdom of, you, know, you know, the, the Gotham doesn't fight with gloves on, and or the people of Gotham don't fight with gloves on, things like that. Like you're just slowly getting like all of this stuff, but eventually it's getting it's going to get to the point where it's like, really, how can you go any further? And the other problem is because all of these characters that are so important to the mythos, they are have compounded and have all of them interacting with each other on such a normal basis. How do you end up getting to the point where it's like, you know, you know, the Batman that we all know, unless they completely change everything and say we're just going to do everything different. At that point, I would just kind of go back to like what we've been doing in this podcast and mention Smallville, because I think it's, a, it's an interesting comparison, because while people say that, like, you know, Smallville was pretty good at the beginning, a lot of people argue that, like, it should have ended earlier than it did. And that might be a thing with Gotham where, like, you know, people want to see an ending to the show sooner rather than later. I don't know that it's that you want to see an ending. I think it's the problem is Smallville was good in the beginning. Smallville was very bad in the very middle of the series. And then it got good because it got to the direction that you knew where it needed to go. And it just took them a lot longer to figure out what direction they were going and how to get there. And this show, it just seems like they know where to, they know what the beginning is. They know what the end is. They just have no idea how to get there. And they're just combining every character they can into making this story that gets to the ending, but when you get to the ending, it won't be the same ending that everybody knows. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, you know, as as you were talking, I just felt like, I'm going to bring it up, you're probably going to cut it out, I don't know, but I just, oh, and I've been, well, I've been thinking about this recently, about just the, the life of Jesus Christ, and the fact that... Um, I mean, obviously, in the Gospels, you see the very beginning of it, and as he's a, a small young boy, he gets you know lost in the temple or left behind, anyways. And then you fast forward and you see him as an adult, and and very similar. Bruce Wayne is like that because you see him as a boy, 
you may see snippets of his schooling, but then he's, I mean, he's just away. There's really no evidence of what he is doing until he comes back and he takes on the cowl. And I mean, I, I think that they know what their end point is going to be. I think that they have so much freedom to deal with this middle that we have no evidence about. And I think if, if you don't believe that Thomas and Martha Wayne's absence has to do with a need for Gotham to be saved, then I think that you're on the arguing side of saying Batman is the cause of, of everything. Oh. I think you're getting to that point then. No, because no, no. No, well, because if you're saying that it's not bad right now, then Batman's presence taking down kind of the underlings, the street thugs, his presence is what makes other people come out of the woodwork and make Gotham bad. No, that's, see, what I, but the thing is that I'm not saying that it's mm-hmm. that Thomas and Martha are not the reason why all these <laughs> criminals are starting to emerge. What I'm saying is all they have shown on this show is that the reason why or the, the when Martha and Thomas Wayne died – it was basically there was a pull for power, as you put it earlier. Mm-hmm. And the problem is the pull for the power does not come from the underlings who have weird gimmicks like tying people to balloons. Those people, <laughs> those people are not pulling for power because the wings are there. It's the, the crime families. And the crime families is something that they should be exploring more, not just you know have random little bits of – you know have Falcone show up in every third episode, have – uh, Fish Mooney being basically sitting in her her bar the entire time, or in that weird warehouse where she meets with Falcone. Walking like Eartha Kitt. But the, the, <laughs> the biggest thing is like there's just there's there's there didn't explain that all of these other villains that are appearing. Spirit of the Goat, perfect example. That villain existed before the Waynes were murdered, so there's no reason why that that the Waynes murder somehow prompted this to reappear. It wasn't about that. It was that the, the, they said that the Wayne's murder was a, was basically that f- there was a gap by them dying. There was a gap in the power structure of Gotham and somebody needed to fill it. And Maroney and Falcone are trying to fill it themselves. And that's fine. And I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with the other villains that are appearing in the show because the, it's not explained. They never have ever explained that the whole reason why Thomas and Martha Wayne have, you know, they were so for the Arkham Project was because they wanted uh, better treatment for the criminally insane. Never have they said that. Yet that's something that is a giant thing that they should have mentioned. And the reason why the the crime families would have preferred it not to have anything to do with, you know, the, the criminally insane. The mayor announces it and doesn't say anything about the fact that this is exactly what the Waynes would have wanted. Nothing about it. The problem is their murder is being perceived as this turning point for all this horrible stuff happening. Because it's the pilot of the series. Yes, which is fine. But the problem is they're not making it. They're not making the connections. So you you, you don't think that like like it just comes kind of sounds like it just comes down black and white. They're they're failing and the execution to have their storyline make sense. Yes. My original thing that started this discussion off is like we don't need every villain to be like you know a goat's you know balloon kaleidoscope guy, but if they this bomber storyline could have been more interesting or engaging, it could have tied into the main plot a little more. Like I, I don't care that he wasn't a crazy guy, I mean, or that he was a normal guy. Like that's all fine. It's just it to me it was boring and it was too divorced from the rest of the plot. And I've kind of been able to 
justify some of the previous ones like, well, Viper showed us the inner workings of Wayne Enterprise. Selena Kyle, the orphan kidnapper, showed us, you know, about the corruption of the mayor's office. Like it, most of those things, you know, at least tied into something and were able to show the audience the relationship of how an organ, a particular organization works in Gotham. In some ways, yes, but I feel like it's just been executed badly because I think there's other ways to do that. You know, when Viper showed us the underlines of, you know, there was corruption within Wayne Enterprises, they never followed anything up. They just left it hanging there. Well, that's like, yeah. It's the problem with so many plots. Uh, Yes. And that's the thing. You need to trim it down. You need to not have so many plots. You need to have, you know, if you want to have two plots, you know, the the biggest thing is they keep, they keep pushing this. We're going to solve the Wayne murders case, which I understand the necessity to have it be so prevalent because that is what the pilot was. That is how you group all of these different characters together. But the problem is, you know, from the mythos that they don't necessarily solve the murder. Do you think well, that it would depends on the version of the origin. Go ahead, Stella. Oh, I was just going to say, do you think that uh, Gotham would work as sort of the Walking Dead does it, where there are there, especially when people were separated, right after the fall of the prison? <laughs> well, I'm just no. This is logical. I'm, I'm just asking. I'm just laughing about our Walking Dead talk from a few episodes. Oh, ago. okay. So when, when they were all when they Girl. were all separated in the present, <laughs> obviously you couldn't follow all of them every episode so they would focus on maybe two two or one for you know a whole episode do you think it would serve that purpose where if we followed just one person and then we'd see the next episode what was going on with the other people at the same time and it would make it would be so much smoother as far as you know you would not have the complaints of being cluttered with all kinds of unnecessary things you could just tell a story there's plenty of shows that do it that way where they have a humongous ensemble of characters, but they don't necessarily have every single character in every single episode. And that's not to Lost. say, but the thing is the problem you have, you have, you have this show where you've got so many main characters, but the problem is that the main characters aren't necessarily even having large roles in every single episode. And this- that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but in the, the problem is when you have like Bruce Wayne just appear a couple times or you have, uh, you have Selena Kyle just being perched on a building, staring at somebody because you need her to appear in the episode. Oh, that was or so you have, stupid. Or you have Edward Nigma just popping up and saying, I've got a riddle for you today. I've got evidence in my pocket. What's it? What is it? <laughs> that sounds, that sounds skeevy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I told you to never come in this operating room again. It's so, yeah, this like, is, this actually reminds me a lot of uh, what you guys, at least not somewhat, sometimes what you had said of Batman Eternal in the comic cast in terms of like the storylines from issue to issue. God, I've, I've I've been binging Batman Eternal like every like four or five issues. I'll like binge it at once, and it annoys me that like there'll be a cliffhanger for a storyline, and then we have like three or four issues of like something else before we get back to that. Like, <laughs> but like spoilers done almost nothing. <laughs> but see, the thing is, with the TV show, there's ways to do it where it it's more smooth. You know, in a comic, like Heroes season one. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a really good example in my opinion. I mean, like they did a really good job of focusing on certain characters and things like that. You know, I'm not saying it needs to be like Batman Eternal because anybody who listens to the comic cast knows that I've I complained about it in the beginning, but they have kind of gotten back to kind of incorporating a lot of the storylines in one, which in a comic it works because you can go 
many, many weeks without seeing anything. In, in a TV show, you probably only go two, three weeks without seeing a character. It's better than just having, for example, this episode, having Penguin just randomly appear to basically tell Liza, hey, I know who you are. And like after you've seen these am- amazing things that he's done in the last couple episodes, he's reduced to being this weird, creepy guy who's smelling people. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to disagree with you there. I would um, I mean, I would, he, is, he is a creeper, but there's a purpose for what he's doing. And and I think that's just part of his personality, too, the way he's very direct in what he's doing. I would, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stereotype it as like, you know, oh, someone is always randomly dot, dot, dot. But I think that there's a point that, like, you know, some of these instances could be a bit more streamlined rather than, like, you know, carried over three or four scenes every 20 minutes. So, but I, I, I guess I'm kind of on both Stella and Dustin's camps. Uh, speaking of Penguin and Liza, there is a question about them on the itinerary. So I, I suppose we can rearrange some things and get to it now because that's kind of where we've gone organically, which is what is his plan for Liza and what do we all think of that little moment between them? It's dumb. So he said that like <laughs> – Dustin, the last question, Dustin had like a half hour like, you know, monologue in this one. It's dumb. <laughs> So he said, like, you know, you're going to keep doing what you're doing, and you're not going to tell anybody that I know what you're doing, or I'll kill you. Is or, I'll tell on, or I'll tell on you. Or she'll but, die. He says she'll die. Yeah, but the thing – the problem is here's, – here's the, here's the main issue. He basically is finding the mole for Falcone, but no one's supposed to know that he's working for Falcone. So he's – to Liza and to Fish Mooney, if she eventually finds out – to all of these people, he's basically finding out that Fish Mooney has a spy on Falcone, but he's reporting this back to Maroney. It doesn't. It doesn't make any Is sense. Is he reporting it to Ramon? To Maroney? no, I'm sure he's not. I'm sure Ramon, he would be. Right. He'd be letting Falcone know. But why would anybody else assume that he's working with Falcone other than us, the viewer, who saw it two episodes ago? That's the thing. It's like. What was the reason why this needed to happen? You know, okay, he's so great. Well, he's, we don't know he's yet. Deduced, he's deduced somehow that she is the Fish Mooney spy and she is spying on Falcone and she is very close to Falcone. That is absolutely great. I saw somebody online or actually it was on the review on the website. Uh, they said that uh, the whole reason why Penguin figured out that Liza was working for Fish was because Penguin smelled mm. Fish Mooney. no. I know, I know it's not. I'm just saying somebody said that, and I was like, uh, "That's remember the he interrogated that guy that used that was penguins, and he that's where he got the idea from." Right, and he, he already suspected her because that's why he went into her apartment in the first place. I don't think he went into like everyone in the why organization's did he, why apartment. Why did he go to Fish Mooney to smell? And why did he smell her? Well, everyone knows that the, the penguin nose has has super uh, smelling powers. Yeah, it's been in every issue but of the comics. It's because it's obviously Fish Mooney's perfume. Fish yeah, Mooney had, yeah, the, see, that's, that, the that's what I got from it. That like there was a particular perfume. But that's that, the like, thing. Why would Liza be wearing the same exact perfume as? I think Fish from Mooney? being around fish, she smelled it, or I don't know. <laughs> see, the problem is, it's a very weird. Connection. <laughs> I didn't give it that much thought. <laughs> but it's a weird connection. It's like. He's never sat there and walked up to anybody and smelled them. He made a, they made it very clear that he was smelling the perfume in Liza's apartment. He then goes and sees fish. He like 
leans into her, smells. He walks out. They make this comment about how he's if very you're creepy. still grumpy. But, you know, that's, you know, that's what happens. And then it's like, so the connection is perfume and perfume. They didn't show Liza going to meet fish where, you know, if they would have hugged, maybe the smell would have been on fish. Nothing. It was just like this very odd sequence that didn't make any sense unless you were trying to just grasp at straws. And basically at the end where he's like, you're going to keep doing what you're doing. You're going to keep working for fish. Everything you're doing is not going to change. You're not going to tell anybody that I know. It's like, but what was the reason why you needed to do this? You're not telling her you're going to start spying on fish for me. None of that. I think that like I think uh, he's uh, looking uh, for more allies, though. Like she's this is something that he could have over on Falcone in case, you know, things go in the pooper, because this guy has backup plans within backup plans. And yeah, I think that like it, just like legitimately like we don't know immediately what he plans on doing and that's okay because it's, it's clearly set up I, I would i would i would save the hostility just because it, it might be revealed in the next episode true and i and I, you know i i i will hold back that much because it is po- it is entirely possible that next episode he sits there and says listen you're gonna go do this for me so that i can get information on fish whatever and that's fine episodes. but the problem is like the, the or he'll find reason, out like, all over again you know because reason, of the writers yeah, because but the whole reason I had a problem with this was because he, it's such a lack of material for his character after seeing such great performances from him in the p- previous couple episodes. It was like, well, we did such a great job with Penguin. We're going to let him sit on the back burner for the next couple episodes, which, OK, that would be fine. But why have him in the episode at all then? Why put him in the episode just to have him do this weird thing that doesn't make any sense in the by itself in the episode i'm i thought that falcone already knew that liza was a mole and that's why you know he wasn't touching her because that plot point was brought up like more than once in the last few episodes so i thought that you know maybe the falcone camp you know was kind of onto her and was just messing with her by making her you know cook and clean and make cupcakes for barbara Keane and mr zaz our favorite scene ever yeah, we don't know what the payoff of this is yet, and like I said, I, I would just assume that he—it's like an escape plan or something, or a plan, you know, C for him, you know, just like he, you know, he went to Gordon, he went to, you know, Crispus and Allen and the pilot. He's just—he has allegiances with himself, and I don't think that his ultimate plan after you know Fish and Maroni are taken down is to ultimately work for Falcone. He's obviously setting himself up to be the new kingpin of crime. Which, again, doesn't it seem like it's a little too early to be doing that? Like, initially it was, he well, was the guy who holds, there. right, it initially was, he's the guy who holds the umbrella for fish. Then he, you know, gets killed because he was a rat for the police. That all happened in the first episode. Then we go to, he's the dishwasher to the the restaurant manager. Now he's to the dishwasher this, again. Yeah, to yeah. If if you want to listen to everybody who was making who was talking in that episode, the dishwasher again. But then we go now. He's Maroni's like right hand man because he's killed the off Maroni's lieutenant in the last episode. So he's moved up to lieutenant of Maroni's family this quickly. How how I mean like do you see the problem? Like it, it just goes back to what I was saying before. Like with the other stuff, it, it's that they're moving certain things too fast. And other things aren't – like are we really going to see Penguin as the kingpin in the middle of the second season if this show is meant for four or five seasons? 
You know, is that really what we're going to get at? Well, but it's Bruce not Wayne like Maroney and Fish and Falcone are going to be defeated, you know, tomorrow, like in Lovecraft. Well, you know, watch, that's what winds up happening. But like, you know, it's not like he's set up to become the crime boss tomorrow. Like, you know, you still have all these other guys to take out. That's true. And I'm not saying he's going to like it's going to happen overnight, but it just seems like his rise of power is happening very, very quickly. But then there's other things that are moving very, very slowly. It's like if they want to jettison time and move time along quicker, you know, it makes sense. But like we're only nine episodes in and he is the, he went from being the umbrella holder for Fish Mooney to moving into a completely different family and now is the lieutenant for another family. Meanwhile, by being a spy for Falcone at the same time, like there's just – to me, it just comes across as they're trying to move his character along, which I do remember at the beginning of the uh, season series, they were talking about how this episode or this season was really the rise of Penguin. I remember them saying that and how Penguin will, you know, will be the character that they're really trying to focus on this season. And that's fine. The problem is that it just feels like He's moving at a faster pace than everybody else. Well, I've been trying to defend what's been going on, I think. Um, I mean, I understand what's going on with the Penguin. I don't think it's far-fetched. He kidnapped that guy that was in his position, and he tortured him, and then he killed him. And right before, that guy went out that that uh, Fish has someone on the inside with... Uh, with Falcone and and she was the logical one because last hired first fired so she was the last hired in that actual household so I think for him to that's logical that he goes and checks out everything and and I think I mean he's just a strange person and and to to smell obviously the thing and to have some sort of sense memory of I've smelled this before and then he double checks and he does you know fish and I think it's not only him being creepy and socially awkward but it's a way to make her feel very uncomfortable because he's not only coming into her place of business and it's very much her territory something that she of all the places has control over and i've talked about this before when falcone comes in there you can tell how bristled she is because that is her place where she has control so he comes in there he walks in no permission and then he's right there she's super upset and then she gets he gets in in her personal space so i think besides him being creepy i think it's just like also like almost a, a pissing contest to to a certain extent that you stab me in my hand and i i've bounced back perfectly fine and i am not afraid of you nor intimidated by you um penguin rise of penguin uh i'm not really sure if anyone criticized it i think you know penguin is the best part of the show to be a to be honest um mm-hmm. this wasn't whack, the, the best the best penguin episode i think uh i think penguin's umbrella that's that's hard to beat uh and, and jim gordon i think is is my second favorite but uh i i don't know he he's got a plan uh why he's keeping liza i mean he's almost turning liza into a 
triple agent uh, because now she's spying back for fish and, and all of that. And, you know, something that was very telling for me, it's funny because you mentioned Harvey Dent, which apparently on this podcast we're not going to talk about. But <laughs> we mentioned- <laughs> the episode's called Harvey Dent and yeah, we're like at least an hour into it. For the joy we complain about the series. called Harvey Dent and there's nothing about it. But I've already complained about the fact that episode titles have nothing to do with what goes on in the show. Um so it's funny you mentioned it and you talked about the projector and seeing two sides of the face. I completely missed that. I'm going to be honest. I missed it. One thing I didn't miss, however, is when Penguin was in Wise's apartment, there's a photo of her and Carmine. And it's it's when you look at this photo, it, it even though it, it's a very it's a, a quick moment, I just thought to myself, that is a completely natural pose. And I think it goes more to the point of what I said in the previous episode that I think, even though she's working for Fish, I think her feelings are somewhat getting a little muddled there. So, so I, I don't know. I, I, it'll be an interesting journey to see. And, you know, I don't know if she's falling in love with Carmine, but I, I think he's really nice to her. So why not have some sort of friendly feelings for him? But but I do suggest just looking. I mean, just look at that photo and, and tell me what you think if, if you uh, rewatch the I episode. thought it was interesting that she kept it at her apartment because yeah. it shows that yep. she's having some effect. I mean, unless that's some kind of cover, like in case – Carmine comes over to her like apartment and like the dive, but then he'd like mm-hmm. say, "It smells like fish in here." Well, you know, <laughs> it's it's funny because something just occurred to me, and it Evil kind Spider-Man's of Spider Man's destroyed. Sorry, it kind of <laughs> explains how the the perfume thing and why Penguin went and saw fish. What you remember when when fish was recruiting Liza? She's like, "Oh, I want you to seduce me," and the whole thing was. Everyone probably would assume that it was because she was supposed to seduce Carmine, but that hasn't happened at all. So what if Fish and Liza are having some sort of relationship and that explains why the perfume is at Liza's apartment and that's why Penguin went to confirm that that was Fish's perfume? I think it makes it a little bit more convoluted because we would have seen that by now, especially in the, in the cathedral scene where she, where Fish treats her like a soldier. Yeah, call me mommy and like stuff like that. I don't know. I guess it was just trying to. I guess I was just trying to reconcile some of these things in my mind. And I think every everything Fish does for and tells Liza to do has a very particular purpose uh, with Carmine. And perhaps Fish wears that perfume because she knows Carmine likes it. And so like a, a mm. you know a strange way to I don't know, still be connected to him. And so she says, hey, Carmine really likes lilac perfume and, and so so I feel like everything Fish does has a purpose, and and I think for her protege to have something similar to her is not uh, not a far stretch at all. So Harvey Dent. Oh, we're actually going to talk about it. What a oh, laugh! He, he, he was going to be like the second or third. He was going to be the second or third like thing, but we last. moved some stuff around. You... No, not the last. But I might cut some of the few talking points out because you know what? I don't want you what? to. Okay. Yeah, so they should. Then maybe I won't. Um, Harvey Dent, are we supposed to think that he is a good district attorney or was he written to be a hothead who doesn't know what he's doing? Mm. I want this first. Um, <laughs> I think – now, I, uh, I read no secret on this podcast, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I love Two-Face. Uh, 
said I said a lot of times on the comic cast, like he is like 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 he sometimes he's my favorite Batman villain. Um not always though. But like seriously, like whenever I see him in another iteration of uh of any sort of media, I feel uh, as though he were Cassandra Kane, I feel protective oh, over what? him. Uh, in the, in that, like, I want him to be done right, and I don't I don't want him to you know be done kind of silly because I think there is a way to be done silly, and I wasn't really down for the idea of introducing Harvey Dent at this point in this, in this series history. I, I just wasn't. I really wasn't. I'm still not. So I was paying attention to how Nicholas Dagabaza dude not was going to thank you was going to p- portray him, and I feel that um, in terms of the writing, I think that he's surprisingly. Uh, shifty. I think that in the performance, he does a good, like you know, like you know, uh, salesman kind of lawyer thing. Like you know, he assures you that he that everything's going to be okay. He's very friendly, and you don't get this. You don't get the the idea that he's like you know completely corrupt, even if he isn't like you know a normal kind of guy. Um, to the point where like he he was so like you know, oh, we're going to get him, Jim. Nice to meet you. Uh, in the way that he looks, he reminded me of Lionel Hutz from The Simpsons, which is kind of funny. Um, when it when they pulled out Two Face stuff. Uh, like you know, and when he's talk- when he's talking to Lovecraft, like his his half of his, his face is um shadowed, and that's okay. I think the whole like you know, no, it's I, not. I immediately well, well, here's my thing. I didn't mind that. I didn't really care for like you know him flipping the coin because that 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 felt like you know okay, he's two faced, you guys. And to me, I I compared it to the Dark Knight and the animated series because in the animated series, his first appearance, he was flipping a coin even though he was still Harvey Dent. And in the Dark Knight, he flips his coin in his first scene. So I'm like, you know, okay, why are those okay and this isn't? So I was wondering, I, I, do I do I mind this or do I not mind this? I wasn't really sure. I did not care for him losing his crap over the guy because mm. for one thing, I, I thought that was like, you know, we're doing this already. I, I, please, this, this is this is just like that that joke online. It is. It's, it's absolutely. <laughs> I'm the most one faced boy ever. Well, it was not an exact joke, but like it, it felt too soon. And frankly, I don't think the guy pulled off the acting chops to to, to to for him to be intimidating. So, like, unfortunately, well, I don't despise this version of Harvey Dent. They 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 have to make make up this appearance. I thought it was it was uh, lacking, not how I wanted to be. Okay, I don't have that much to say. I don't have I don't have that much to complain about. Like I do everything else, obviously. So I'll just say this, okay? I didn't have a problem with the projector shadow. I thought it was actually kind of a interesting way of foreshadowing it. I was watching the episode with my wife. She didn't catch it. I caught it. And I was like, "Hey, did you see what they're doing?" And she was oh, like, there. And she was like, "Oh yeah, I see it now that you said it." But she didn't realize what it was because you know when you watch this show nine episodes in, you're pretty much cuned to looking for these dramatic things that they have to do for some reason. So that I thought was fine because it wasn't as obvious. The coin flip thing was a little heavy handed um, as a lot of things on this show tend to be when it comes to, you know, portraying who these certain people are going to be. But uh, that being said, I thought that the, Harvey Dent in general, I think was fine. I don't know that I, I would have said, you know, that the actor did, an amazing job or he did a horrible job. There wasn't a whole lot to really work with. Um, you know, having him blow up so easily when he approaches that, you know, Lovecraft person, that was a little bit a little bit too much. Too Big soon. bad harv. Yeah, I mean little little too much, a little too soon, honestly, because it again, 
you know, you're moving this character along instead of just making him the, the, you know, the good person. We're basically throwing out, hey, wait, he's got a bad side right away. Um, but the other thing is seeing the preview for next week's episode, knowing that there's assassins going after Bruce and Selena and that Harvey Dent most likely ha- is the reason behind it because he revealed who the witness was somehow because even though I don't know, I don't remember Gordon actually saying who it was. But, but well, and, and and Harvey didn't say who it was either in that scene, right? In that scene, but I have this feeling just based off the preview that Harvey says it because he's gunning for this 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 you know Lovecraft. That's he wants this guy behind bars because he knows he did it. It doesn't matter if he's wrong. It doesn't matter if he's right. It just matters that what he says is what is actually true. He's picked him. Yeah. Do you think that? Um, Cthulhu is going to pop up in the next episode because whenever I hear Lovecraft, I keep thinking H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> is that just me? Is that just me? Is that well, just me? I mean, yes. like, oh, Gotham is going to have Cthulhu it, come it, on. Yes, uh, Gotham under his tentacles. Squid that's face, yeah. squid face. Um, I wasn't sure. He's He's such a pretty boy that I just wasn't sure about it. Um, and I don't know. I I just there was something that didn't didn't fit with with my image of who uh, you know Harvey Dent was. And I just got finished. Well, not recently, but but pretty close to recently with the Beware the Batman series. And that Harvey Dent was so obnoxious that I was super excited when he turned into Two Face. And I'm almost wondering if we're getting to this arrogant guy and. If we're going to stick with this arrogant guy, I hope that he has some sort of fall so that he's cut down to size and then he actually gets serious. Because right now he's just a counselor, right? He's not necessarily a district attorney yet. He's um, an assistant it, district no, attorney. Yeah, okay. okay. Well, he's not a DEA then. But uh, as, as I said. But well, I, if he was he's not a DEA agent. Yeah, if, yeah. He, if he was a district attorney at this point, I mean, man, we're, we're – uh, he can't be, I don't know that he There'd can be, be district attorney for the next you know, 15 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At one point, the writers are just going to say, screw it. Um, every, you know, this is an alternate universe where Batman's a kid and everyone else is like already established. <laughs> I could see something like that happening. Yeah, I oh, look at Smallville. <laughs> I'm hoping that um, I don't know. I, I hope he gets his act together because it was a little too much like, whew. Really, really cocksure, I think, in, in what he was doing and, and uh, going after this guy when it really – all he has is his instinct that he's the one. And uh, I don't know. I feel like he's going to fall flat on his face. And 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 like Donovan said, I, I think it was a little too – we pulled the trigger a little too soon to show that he has a, a dark side to him. Um, yeah, so it, it wasn't – you know, the, the actor – he did okay, but but he's not my idea of Harvey Dent right now. So I hope he redeems himself. I did not like that first scene where he's with the kid because that's one of those scenes where, like, from the first line, you knew exactly how the scene was going to play out and that, like, he'd give the kid a choice and the kid would go free and then Jim Gordon would be like, but how did you know he'd pick the right thing? And then he shows him his coin and it's a two-sided coin. And like, oh, he had this planned all along, and that's exactly how it happened. So I don't mind that so much, but it, it was still the coin. 
uh, in some versions of Two Face's origin, he's like obsessed with bringing down Maroni, and like you know, and that's how the whole trial thing happens, and he gets the acid on his face. But he's like he's going after Maroni with like blinders on, and I. It's almost like in this, they replaced Maroni with Lovecraft, and I almost wish that maybe <laughs> that was the person who he would have been like kind of obsessed with getting it. It could have been done without you know too much foreshadowing, and it, it, it's weird because like he is not willing to entertain the idea that like anyone but Lovecraft could have done this. Like he's like, oh, I know it's him, and like no matter what Jim Gordon suggests otherwise, so. I'm wondering if that'll be a big downfall and judge it by the promos. You know, it looks like it might be. And I wish that he was a better district attorney because that's the whole like tragedy of Two-Face, especially in the Dark Knight, because in the Dark Knight, like he was like, you know, the, you know, since we already mentioned, yeah, since we already mentioned Jesus once this podcast, I mean, you know, like he was the Jesus district attorney and he was going to like, you know, save Gotham and like it's the greatest tragedy ever that you know what happened to him and now Gotham is doomed forever. And, yeah, he's like, already no he's already he's already um um kind of sullied his first appearance. Yeah, it's not like he started off as an, a character who was just hell bent on good. No, he's hell bent on you know punishing those who he believes is you know the bad. But the problem is that. They should have started out started him out as like a public defender or something like that, and then slowly moved up the ranks and had him involved with Gordon just because of some smaller thing. You know, somebody gets wrongfully accused because of the corrupt system and Gordon had and works with him and just have him as like a side one off thing where he shows up and then later on maybe he becomes, you know, an assistant district attorney or something like that, then he has more contact, which is what they're going for anyway, because we know that he's in this episode and next episode. And there's the chance that if the show gets picked up, he'll be a reoccurring character of the second season. But it just feels like they should have started him out at a, at a lower point. Yeah. I think that like, uh, I would prefer to like maybe when Tommy Ellie is beating up Bruce, uh, Harvey Dent comes in as a child of his own age, stops him, and we never. Oh, you bruised half of my face! I'll get you for this, Bruce. Um, well, and if they do this like they're doing with Harvey Bullock, then I wouldn't mind this as much, and maybe that's the direction that they're going to go. Where like he is this cocky, arrogant ADA, and over the course of the series, we'll see him become, you know, the you know white knight Harvey Dent. We'll see him become a better district attorney. So maybe maybe that's what will happen here, and if that's the story that they're going to tell, I don't mind that as much. But if we're just going to say, "Man, Harvey Dent is bad at his job," then which, which is funny because all that you could always tell how I feel about this by the way I phrase the questions. Like, are we supposed to think he's good at his job? Yeah, why are you leading us? Stop leading <laughs> us into a certain direction. You're a terrible host. No, he's, he's a. Uh... He he floats one way or the other when it comes to news, like certain networks. <laughs> I'm the Fox News of like the Gotham Chronicle. <laughs> like coming up next, Harvey Dent, big loser or bigger loser? <laughs> the biggest loser, sorry, Harvey Dent. He's he's <laughs> lose weight. Okay. He's pretty. Uh, the now, next right? thing that we should mention is uh, last episode. Stella and I had a moment where I was arguing Aww. that uh, Barbara Keen. We had a moment where I was arguing oh, that Barbara yeah. Keene was having a Piper Chapman moment and, you know, uh, going to meet Alex no one knows over that. at the chapel. Besides the two of us, no one gets that reference. My mom gets that reference. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin, have I you seen like Orange the is the New Black? Yes, actually, show. I have. 
I watched oh, there the you entire go. first season. Right. Have not gotten oh. through the second season, but she yeah. stole my FS account. It's a first season spoiler, then. Yeah, it, I said, well, you know, Barbara Keen's going to the chapel, and in I'm just the new black going to the chapel means um, lesbian rebound sex, and uh, that's as I predicted. That's what, <laughs> what <happened>. a phrase. <laughs> going to the chapel, so, but not to get married. Ironically no, enough. Indeed. Because I don't know if same-sex marriage is legal in Gotham, especially given that like, sure, so that's, that's uh, yeah, co- completely irrelevant. Like, like, like. <laughs> w- 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to, I want to say this real quick. Is it, was that Montoya's place? Yes. Yeah. Jeez. I hope so. <laughs> it, I'm so sick of these, these, like you know, these, like you know. My parents were killed when I was a little boy. Bruce, you were experiencing psychological trauma. Here's this doll from Batman Forever, the exact same place with the exact same fireplace and the nice lighting. Like seriously, how this 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 city is supposed to be so messed up? But these people have like the finest apartments I've ever seen on a television show. It's distracting. <laughs> it's distracting. Yeah, I'd like to see you know Bullock, you know, in a dive place or something, you know, with old movie posters on the wall, you know, as an homage to his pre-crisis character who did that with Jason Todd. But like, nice. and it, it, is Gordon still like living at her house now that she's left him? Because that's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm I not sure. They kind of pay rent together, though she probably provides sixty percent of the rent. She <laughs> says he does, the, he, he does say like in this episode, it's my girlfriend's place. Well, and he says it's said in the pilots when I'm Mrs. Gordon and you're living here all the time, meaning that like he has a place of his own. So I, because I, I don't think he could afford to pay like the electric bill on that place, um, unless he was on the take. That's why everyone in Gotham is on the take because the apartments are all like so swanky. Okay, well let's talk about this though. Um, Renee Montoya, she's not supposed to be on the take. Yet she has that nice of an apartment. But I love how that's the focal point of no, the scene. No, <laughs> but here's the thing, okay? Here's the problem I have. Mm-hmm. Renee Montoya, the whole reason she was hell-bent on, you know, convincing Barbara to leave Gordon and, you know, you know, Gordon isn't a good guy. You need to be with me, blah, blah, blah. And all of this happened was because she was convinced that Gordon killed Cobblepot. Then it was revealed that, oh, wait, he didn't kill Cobblepot, and now we're going to team up. And in the same episode, we have her, Renee Montoya, go with Christmas Allen and Gordon to see Harvey Dent. They, she does the introductions like, hey, this is Harvey Dent. And, you know, that's what happens. But yet at this entire time, she's got Jim Gordon's fiance slumming it at her apartment Slum? waiting for you know waiting for her to come home from work i mean i honestly thought they were just going to show her in that in that apartment and they were going to be like yes she's she's dealing with this horribly i pointed out so i was like oh look the bottle of wine is completely empty because it seems like for whatever, <laughs> because for whatever reason every time my every when i watch this with my wife every time she, they show barbara keen i know that too the she's first thing yeah the first thing my wife says is wow she drinks a lot and I was like, and when Gordon's gone, she smokes joints. Yeah. So, so the so that, so that was the funny thing. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, there's the bottle of wine. She's obviously taking this really hard. And then Renee rolls over. I'm just like, what? This doesn't make any sense because how does Renee work with Jim, knowing that they're engaged and she's affecting their relationship just because she wants to get her jollies off? I defended Renee a few episodes ago because Don and I had it out over Renee. And I was defending Renee's actions because she thinks that, like, Jim is the villain of the story and Renee wants to save her fiancé. Now Renee knows better 
And she... I don't begrudge her for it because like she's in love with her. It's it's not like she's like, it's not like this is Bullock. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like it is it is weird that like you know they're in that you know Harvey Dent's office and ironically Harvey Dent in the comics says the thing for Renee Montoya too. Um, but yes. I didn't notice any shipping moments there. But anyway, like they're in the office and she's like, yeah, Jim, you know, you know, we've been on your side from the beginning. You know, we're ready to go with this. And like, well, while her phone's probably vibrating in her pocket, like, and it's Barbara saying, hey, when you coming home, is Jim there? Does he look fat? <laughs> I don't really have a problem with this. I- I'm surprised that like you guys did because like I thought it was a typical television Hollywood twist. But like it made, it made sense within the context of the emotional state of the characters. I mean, I I, predict, I could see where Barbara is emotionally because they kind of, you know, painted that picture last week and in her, you know, breakup note, too. And it's and what I said to Stella last week is that usually when you're that emotional or something, you will retreat towards something to make you feel good. And, you you know, and it would either and be obviously drugs this entire or dangerous season, sex. It's been either alcohol, the joints or Renee Montoya. <laughs> Vices. Barbara Keene has such a tough life. She had to leave her penthouse apartment to go to another penthouse apartment. <laughs> I was paying very close attention to that kiss because, like, the first <laughs> time that they that they kissed on screen, like, Fox chickened out big time and like had it like panned away and in the shadows. So I was, was looking, seeing like. Okay, well, they were a little braver this time around, which you know, I guess there's, there's a lot of like 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 women on women kissing in this show. I'm not sure why. What? Oh, no, I'm not, okay. I mean it because, like, with the, yeah. Well, yeah, like Fish and Liza and stuff too. Um, I don't know. It's it's, it's like it, it, we knew that they were going to come here eventually because you know the whole drama of the Barbara Renee Montoya. I didn't feel like that that it was ended just because Renee apologized in uh, Penguin's Umbrella. So we knew that they were going to come back to it. I'm. Um, Unless they change the mythos drastically, I mean, they still have to get back together and, you know, have Barbara and James Jr. and possibly and Tony. Yeah, they don't have to, like, in, in the show together because, like, they really don't stay together. They like, don't, but they're together when Bruce is Batman. But, again, this could be, like, Smallville and they'll go in, like, an entirely different direction. She, you know? she needs to have a son who tells her to leave and she, she obeys him. <laughs> that has to happen. She needs to change her hair color and occupation and last name about five times. She, she needs think- to make – like. Gingerbread snaps and have Alyssa complain at her. I, I just think she's a terrible character. <laughs> I'm with you. I, I really don't see any purpose in having her. I don't – I mean, you know what? I It doesn't bother me that uh, she's bisexual or that there was a lesbian moment at the end. However, just like the whole thing like at the end bothered me, the fact that this is what she did. Yeah, I get the whole comfort thing, but seriously, that's where you're going to go. And, you know, I, I just have a problem with that. Um, I think just the trust and, and being unfaithful and think that that bothers me. I, uh, I, I really, again, I, I've said this a couple episodes. I just wish that I, they weren't together. Jim and her weren't together. I feel like they would have had a better start maybe if she was dating Renee Montoya and then, <laughs> like, she met Jim and then, you gradually saw that build up, but I think starting off with them already in a relationship, like 
I think that was potentially the reason why it's been a struggle because they want to create drama. So what drama is there if they're already in a stable relationship? There's not. So let's create drama. But I, I just think she's a terrible character. She's not – and it's not the actress's fault. It's it's no. what what is given to her. Yeah. The character just, just, just never contributes anything of pos- positivity or help. Yeah. There's nothing that's contributed at all. I mean literally we've seen her go from I'm leaving, I'm staying, I'm leaving, I'm staying – they broke leaving. it up twice. I mean, like it's. It, I mean, we're not even that far in, but she's she's threatened to leave or has left. I think at least three times since the beginning of the the you know the the show. So that's the biggest problem. Is like, what is the real reason she's here? You know, I just don't get it. I mean, basically every time they show her, she's sitting in the apartment drinking. You know. Not you know trying to deal with the fact that Jim's lying to her. Then Jim tells her the truth, and suddenly she can't handle the truth and has to leave anyway. <laughs> so I mean, like, I, it just That's, doesn't. It, nothing makes any sense. No and this is another thing that I've, I've mentioned before, and I'll do it again and again and again. But like, I just there, there's a there's there's a disconnect between the character and like just like how they have her kind of fashion because again the, the apartments, the wine, like the fancy job, like you know the nice clothes. But she's such a wreck in terms of like making decisions and being an adult. It's like I feel again. I feel, and I don't. I am. I don't think I'm beholden to the to comments that like I need everything to be Batman Year One. I really don't. But in terms for us, like you know, be engaged with the character and for the story to make sense. I feel as though if she were a lot more of, of like a normal person who was trying to make a relationship work and you know try to work a job, and a lot less like you know she has so much other things going for her, we would like her a lot more because she, she would be more empathetic. But like I mean, besides well, basically the fact, setting her up to not like. I mean, I don't know right. that there's any question about it. There's n- they're not making this character likable at all. And I wonder why. Why is that? I mean, I don't like, know. What's the point? Well, well, I have this theory, but it's I don't the whole want to thing about TV much. wives. Yes, yeah, it basically has to do with TV wives. If you look at all, like all the the major Emmy award winning shows, the wives are always portrayed in a very negative light, regardless of how horrible the husband is. You know, he can be a serial killer like uh, Dexter was, okay. and his wife still comes across as this horrible person. You do not want. To <laughs> People that's, that's, hated Skyler from Breaking Bad, and like, and. Yep. It, it, Yep. I mean, she she kind of got her hands dirty towards the end, you know. But I mean, I I didn't understand it. It's like, like you know, how dare she not let her husband, you know, go around murdering people and cooking meth? You Fine. know, what a reference well, I don't the, get. Because the problem is that you're basically setting these characters up where you're rooting for the the main character, whoever it is, whether they're doing good or bad. And the problem is the wife she has a problem with whatever they're doing, whether it be good or bad. And if it's Jim Gordon trying to solve crimes and trying to stop corruption. But in the meantime, he could be in real danger and that could put his wife in danger. She's completely against it. But at the same time, she had a problem with him possibly being corrupt and killing, killing somebody, which would have not put her in danger. But she was, she had a problem with either situation. I think basically they're all setting this up where they're going to introduce Hugo Strange and that's going to be uh, a Barbus therapist. Oh, okay. (laughs) That would be interesting. I thought you were going to say like he's been controlling Barbara this whole time. No. Um, Well, Well, they're definitely not going the direction where uh, Gordon's the one who cheats on her. I I don't see that. That's that's, 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 that's true. Instead of Gordon and Essen, it's Barbara and that's an interesting, like, you know, kind of 
Par- uh, parallel. <laughs> I would not mind Gordon and Essen for two reasons. One, because of Stella size, I am a Gordon and Essen shipper. And the second one is... Um, Stella size, yep. <laughs> it, it would add... It would add some drama to the series and to Gordon. Well, not that the series needs more drama, but to like Gordon's character, like give him like a flawed thing because you know I don't like it when everyone you know in a show it like when the main characters. I I don't want him to be a boy scout. I want him to have some you know ambiguity. It is hard to like you know do that on a show without having the audience hate the character. So usually to justify adultery, they'll make the other partner like super super mean. So it's. It is hard to do. Um, Unless one of the you're whole, Don Draper. Unless you're inter- Don Draper. One of the whole internet problems with TV Wives thing, and there's a funny YouTube video about it called The Internet's Problem with TV Wives, is the audience wants to see these guys do awesome things and go on awesome adventures. And the wife is the one saying, no, you can't do this awesome thing that the audience wants to see you do. And that's why the audience you know, winds up hating them and that's why i got mad at the end of penguins umbrella when it's like yeah they're gonna arrest falcone and the mayor this is awesome and oh no barbara keen's there and she's having muffins and she's ruining everything and now they're surrendering f you barbara king go away barbara king no one wants you here why didn't you stay on that stupid train did you ruin uh gordon and bullock's fun time of nearly getting killed <laughs> yeah well and then i realized you know what if she wasn't there they probably would have killed themselves so she probably saved them just by being there but um <laughs> I wasn't, but that you know that that's a whole other episode. Uh, I also think that like there's there's a bit of exploitation with um Montoya and Barbara because like they kept like there's not there's it, not it's, this push, it's pushing buttons yeah and like you know getting the audience talking like watch Gotham there's a lesbian affair going on yeah who and well, it's like see, I would I would say that's you know that's what they're trying to go for but they're not showing that kind of stuff in the previews. So it's not like they're advertising it across all their, you know, all the ways that they're. It's a family show. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not showing that, and I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it because I'm not like no, I don't have I don't have a problem with you know what they're doing. I just have a f- the problem with the way they're executing it. Well, it's also you no, know, yeah, I don't have a problem. I, I really don't have a problem with either. But like, uh, like you know, I don't know. It's, it's again, and I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get tapped on by Stella for this, but like. Gotham Central, you know, Two Face out Renee Montoya, and it was an extremely emotional, traumatic event for her to, you know, be revealed as a lesbian without her consent. And like, you know, there's there's any of for her relationship stuff. And that's not exactly what's going on here. I'm not sure if she is out or whatever. But like, it feels like you're, you're taking that character who has you know emotional weight towards her, and you're you're using her sexuality to basically like you know like give Barbara Keene something to do. That's why I, I continuously not like how they're doing Montoya in this series. I want to know about their drug pass together that was alluded to. And how because Renee is... How did she become a cop? Two shoes on the force, but yet she has this dark history. Yeah, like they allude to... And, and I speculated a few episodes ago, I wonder if during her drug past, she got involved with Falcone. And maybe when Barbara Keene went to see Falcone in Penguin's Umbrella... There was more to it than begging for Gordon's life. Maybe they had some sort of a history together Bless that you. she was trying to leverage for Gord, you know, for Gordon's safety. Not that you know, just because she did drugs, she was involved with the biggest crime family ever. But it was just something throwing out there. Last uh, question is: uh, If you were in the writers' room when they were doing this episode, what would you have done differently? What would you have told them to either add or delete? Um, I, 
am perfectly satisfied with how they did Bruce and Selena. Um, I didn't really have a problem with the, with the uh, with the bomb guy. I probably was made more interesting. And I'm not saying you know give him a wacky eye patch or something, but like just make it inherent and interesting. I liked how they did it with like you know he's not a he's not a crazy awful guy, but I would make it even more. I would push that even further. I would have the uh, penguin and Liza thing be a bit more streamlined to be a bit more engaging. I just kind of like like I would probably cut out that that scene or at least do the scene differently where he visits fish and be obnoxious. Um, I, I like I can be weird on Liza better, and um, I would. Uh, what else happened in this episode? Uh, I would <laughs> we, this is our longest episode yet. You don't know what happened after all that. Well, no, I I I, uh, I, I enjoyed the episode. And I'm not sure how much I would change differently. I would probably uh, probably just make like the gangster stuff a bit more interesting. Then like you know have Fish Mooney talk to stereotypes. Honestly, I I I'm not gonna sit here and say they needed to cut one thing or the other. I feel like the penguin stuff didn't need to be there so i guess if i had to cut something it would probably be that stuff i didn't feel like it did anything other than just have him in the episode um as far as like adding anything i don't know that i would have them add anything because honestly it always feels like they have too much in every episode it just feels like there's too many moving pieces and sometimes the moving pieces don't always make sense so the uh that's that's what i that's all i all i would do i would cut out the harvey dent I think that was the one that related the least. I think that, well, mm-hmm. it related, but, you know, I, I think if you're arguing that the, um, what is Ar- his name? Like, we kept calling him the bomber, but he has a Ian Hargrove. the poor fellow. Yeah, Ian Hargrove. Um, you know, if you think that's superfluous, then Harvey Dent has definitely got to be on the same level of sur- Superfluosity. <laughs> nope, useless. Oh, only one of you is Aladdin, teacher. It's yes, not Aladdin. Well, super. Yeah, I know, but like she's always pronouncing, you know, very elegant words. You know. Well, I don't think superfluosity is a word, but I will say that super superfluous above, and then flow comes from uh, to flow, so flow over over. Billy and Trini never dated. Uh, th- you know what? Like, uh, what the heck? I just. <laughs> Anyway, um, what? Oh, so yeah, I would cut out the Two Face stuff, uh, which Harvey Dent we probably shouldn't call Two Face. And is there anything else? I don't know. Uh, no, I think that would be it. And I, I think I made my stuff pretty clear throughout the episode. I would have come up with a better way of Jim putting Selena at Wayne Manor. Uh, maybe Bomb- make the bomber more interesting. And during that final scene with Barbara Keane. When Renee Montoya wakes up on one side of her, they should have had on the other side of Renee Montoya Oswald Cobblepot, then Liza, <laughs> <laughs> then then Fish. It would have been like the audience would have been like, "What the heck is going on? What are they up to? What could they all other, be planning together?" Christmas Allen, <laughs> yeah, Chris. Well, no, Christmas Allen's not invited. And then Penguin says, "Now we know how many people could fit on this bed. This is the perfect plan to take down Falcone." And then they all get up and leave. <laughs> <laughs> And right, that's why that wine was empty. They had to have enough for everyone. Over on the BatmanUniverse.net, um, one of our reviewers, Alex Hayes, gave it two and a half out of five batterings. Check out his other reviews for other Gotham episodes to see if he agrees with us, disagrees with us, or agrees more with you, the audience. Our next episode is called Lovecraft. Are we ready for this? Dun, We're ready. Dun, I'm holding dun, on dun, tight. Dun, dun, dun. News, Gothamites. 
H.P. Lovecraft. Hey, guess what, friends? Cthulhu pops up in this new episode of Gotham, airing on Monday, November 24th. Selena leads a new friend on a perilous journey. Perilous, ha ha ha. Journey through Gotham to evade the assassins on her trail. Following a misstep, Gordon is reassigned to duty at Arkham Asylum in the all-new H.P. Lovecraft episode of Gotham, airing Monday, November 24th. I don't know if that's all completely accurate because I, I just see the words Lovecraft. But if you want to make up your own idea for an episode, <laughs> I, I, I think I said uh, said off the off the mic. But like, if this assassin is anybody we know, like uh, uh, Shiva or Electra or somebody, I will Electra. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> send in David Kane. Dun dun dun. Uh, no. Oh, if it was David Kane. Actually, that would actually make sense. He probably would be of that age. To, if it was David Kane and Shiva teaming up together, no. Well, why not? They had a baby. I don't care. Actually, it'd be perfect time frame. Yeah. At least an age relation to Bruce. Even if like Shiva says at the end, I can't do this anymore. I'm pregnant. Actually, I'm trying to think about it. You're making me think about that because yeah. Well. Okay, but we're getting off topic. We don't even have any idea whether or not these are actually those people or not. Okay, so, well, and that's what we'll talk about now, which is, has everyone seen the 30-second yes. promo thing? Yeah, yes. it looks great. Yeah, it does look interesting. I mean, it feels like it could be a really good episode. Um, I don't like thinking about the future episodes too much before they I actually see them, because then I start really making my brain hurt with... <laughs> how, many problems, how many problems I have with things. But that being said, it does look interesting. I think I think if the episode specifically focuses on Bruce and Selena and their relationship as they try to evade these assassins, it could actually be really good because, as we said, the chemistry between those two actors is really, really good. So if that's what the majority of the episode is, by all means, I'm all for it. I'm excited for this because the idea of them like running through Gotham and – Meaning that we'll get another action episode akin to Penguin's Umbrella or something, you know. That that's exciting for me. And I felt like Penguin's Umbrella was like so much happened and so much was revealed that like that should have been the mid season finale. But because this is the mid season finale, like I you know, how can they step up their game from there? So I'm wondering, you know, what they're gonna do to up the game before we come back in uh, you know, twenty fifteen. So it's some exciting stuff. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, it looks really intense, and uh, I just don't—I don't want to say much else. But I, I really like—if uh, nothing else, like Alfred really shows like he's shining, and you know he's—he's he's being all, um, you know, cool British guy, killing folks left and right, like we all like seeing them do. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, it's a bit bizarre to be honest. I—I I think it's a little far fetched. <laughs> Uh, just like all of a sudden, assassins popped up at Wayne Manor, and we're gonna forcibly connect it to Lovecraft here. And uh, I'm giving up. <laughs> huh? Well, maybe they're not behind Lovecraft. I mean, he is the name of the. I'm not episode. saying H.P. Lovecraft, but I'm oh, saying okay. the lawyer Lovecraft. What yeah. if they sang Cthulhu after um after Bruce and Selena? Well, then I'd say, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But honestly, <laughs> that would be a very weird just, like direction to take the show. Yeah, I think it's just like let's create drama over here at this place. Whereas I, I think it would be better served to go another direction and you know have Bruce and Selena continue um, just with their their connection that they have. 
So come back next week when we discuss the mid-season finale of Gotham Lovecraft. This is Josh. This is Donovan. This is Stella. And this is Dustin. And you've been listening to the Gotham Chronicle podcast. Stella and I had a big argument in the first episode about, like, if we should leave, like, a certain discussion in the main episode or if it belonged in the blooper section. She's like, no, you're keeping this. It's relevant. It's on topic. This is the Birds of Prey thing. I did? Yeah. (laughs) It was the Birds of Prey thing. You, like, in the middle of the first episode, you're like, you're always complaining about this foreshadowing, Josh. Well, yeah. Like, in Batgirl Year One. You complain about that all the time. I do, and I have a complaint about it in this episode, too. You know what? Let's get this uh, show. Oh, I'll guess. Let's say it's that shadow from the projector. There's a shadow from the projector? Um, I don't remember if it was from the projector, but yeah, like, the, well, I mean, we'll get into it in the episode, but yeah, like, Harvey Dent having two faces in his first Oh, episode. yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, we're going to go for the easy joke here. Um, but before we get into all that, is everyone ready to start? Were you joking about being hardcore conservative? Do you think I was? Yes. <laughs> Maybe we should move on. I voted for John McCain. What was the original question? Yeah, I know, I had to edit that out of the first episode. <laughs> Why? Why do you keep editing out the fact that I voted for John McCain? Because I, I was... did too. You did too? Oh, you voted for him. I thought you meant you edited it. <laughs> I edited it out and Dustin double it. No, because, like, if we get political, I, I didn't want, like, e- and I even told this to you, like, we're going to get, like, emails from people, like, Eight you know. Years ago. <laughs> Not quite, but almost. Uh, okay, well, you, you can announce it here. Like, the title of the episode will be, it'll have the subtitle, Stella for, Stella for Palin McCain, 2008. Why are you laughing? Nothing, don't worry about it. No, why are you laughing? <laughs> no, it's nothing. Alright, I, I got a silly text over Would you like to share it with the rest of the class? No, I don't. Okay. And, uh, Stella, do you have the description for that one? No. I can do it. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm laughing. Uh, just no one told me so I was going to be the one that did it, so... Thought, thought uh, you know, I, 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 I had you do it last week, and you were like, oh, I finally get to do one. I was like, you want to do one? Yeah. So I, I mean, hold yeah. on. Now the video popped, which is annoying. Um... It's a, it's a Here we go.